barbarian, magician, thief, cavalier, and acrobat. Avenger, the force of evil. I am Dungeon Master, your guide in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons. D&D. What the boys in Stranger Things are into is Dungeons and Dragons, a game that does not simply make a one-time cameo as in E.T., but is artfully woven into the language and framework of the story. The fantasy role-playing game first came out in 1974. It grew in popularity in the late 1970s and 80s, establishing a subculture of enthusiasts drawn into into its emphasis on intelligence, camaraderie, and imagination. Before long, multiple books were published elaborating on its intricate rules and concepts. By 1981, D&D had an established... 3 million players and was widely associated with geek culture. The game is accredited not only with bridging the worlds of fantasy and gaming, but also for establishing a successful blueprint for role-playing games. Tactical Studies Rules TSR, which which published the game, created two distinct iterations after their initial role and wave of popularity. The first was more simplified and accessible, aimed at the general public. The second, referred to as Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, AD&D, was for more serious players and required greater knowledge and fluency. As we've seen in the beginning of, of Season 1, Chapter 1, the vanishing of Will Byers in Stranger Things. D&D is typically played around a table with a board, um, dice, and miniature figurines. These figurines represent specific characters with specific uh, specialties. For So, for example, in the kids' game in the Willer Basement, Mike plays the dungeon master, the game's referee and storyteller. Lucas plays a knight. Dustin plays a dwarf, and Will plays a wizard. The group as a whole is referred to as a party. Each character plays an important role in the overall campaign, while also developing individual attributes and powers. A campaign can go on for hours, even days, as the party problem-solves battles, uh, gathers knowledge, embarks on various adventures. In Stranger Things, we learned that the game the boys are playing at the at the beginning of, of Chapter 1 took weeks of planning and was going for about 10 hours before Mrs. Willer called it off. It is easy to see D&D's appeal to Mike, Will, Dustin, and Luke and Lucas, four boys with active imaginations and a love of adventure. It is not hard to see how it operates as a metaphor for real-life exploits and foreshadows events to come. For example, in that opening scene in Chapter 1, Will is forced to face down the Demogorgon himself. Lucas advises him to fireball it, while Dustin tells him to cast a protection spell. Will decides to fireball, but rolls a 7. He needed a 13 or higher, meaning he was defeated by the Demogorgon. 
Not long after finishing the game, of course, Will is chased down and snatched from his shed by a mysterious monster the boys referred to as the Demogorgon. Such connections between the game and real life, particularly in assigning names to things outside of ordinary experiences, recur throughout the series. These kids were big D&D nerds, explains Matt Duffer, so they can understand this through the Dungeons and Dragons mythology and terminology. And that makes them and that makes everything that's happening easier to understand for the kids than it does for the adults. They have been introduced to these concepts before. And then, of course, they have their Mr. Clark, their 1980s Wikipedia. So it's fun and it's challenging for the characters to figure out what's going on. They have to use what's at their disposal, which is Dungeons and Dragons and their science teacher. Numerous terms used in the show thus originate from Dungeons and Dragons, although they are not uh, so much exact correlations as approximations. So what is a Demogorgon? In D&D, it represents the Prince of Demons, a very rare creature that struck fear in players of the game, possessing a Valdemar-like mystique. In the D&D Monster Manual, its stat block reveals devastating powers and protections. We see it represented in the game as a dual-headed lizard-like creature. Confronting it is in the context of D&D meant near certain death. Such demonic creatures and characters led to what the BBC describes as the 1980s, the great 1980s Dungeons and, Dra and Dragons panic. Gradually, as the game increased in popularity, some parents became concerned about its influence on young minds, particular particularly after two teenage fans of the game committed suicide. There was no evidence that D&D was responsible for their deaths. Conservative Christian groups denounced it as an occult tool that opens up young people to influence or possession by demons. Concerned parents, meanwhile, launched the action group bothered about Dungeons and Dragons, bad, in 1983, blaming the game for encouraging Satanism and sex, perversion, and suicide, among other things. While the controversy eventually waned, it speaks to how unfamiliar role-playing role games were at the time and how subversive its influence on fantasy and the supernatural was in more traditional homes. For the characters in Stranger Things, however, it offers a useful framework to explain and articulate their real-life encounters and adventures. In Chapter 5, The Flea and the Acrobat, for example, Eleven flips the D&D board upside down to illustrate that Will is hiding in another dimension. Like the Veil of Shadows, explains Dustin. The kids look up the kids look the term up in a well worn copy of the D D expert rule book, the nineteen eighty three edition. The Veil of Shadows is a dimension that is a dark reflection or echo of our world. It reads, It is a place of decay and death, a plane out of phase, a place with monsters. It is, right, it is right next to you, and you don't even see it. Likewise, Eleven uses the Demogorgon figurine to explain that there is an actual monster in the Upside Down that poses a threat to Will and others. 
When Will is finally rescued in Season 1, Chapter 8, The Upside Down, we once again see the boys gathered together around a D&D board in the Willow basement. And once again, the events in the game resemble what transpires in real life. This time, the story revolves around a lost knight, a proud princess, and a weird, and a weird flowers in a cave. While misinterpretations vary amongst fans of the show, the internet develops something of a conscience around the knight being Chief Hopper, the princess being Eleven, and the weird flowers being the Demogorgon eggs or vines that begin to spread underground in season two. Fearsome Thessalhydra, meanwhile, might represent the Mind Flayer, which Will triumphs over in the game and later with help from his friends in real life. What is the Mind Flayer? When Will first sees it in the early seasons and chapters of Season 2, he calls it the Shadow Monster. The term Mind Flayer is introduced by Dustin in Chapter 8, the Mind Flayer. Dustin not only seems to have an encyclopedic knowledge of D&D, he also loves giving things names. See also Demodogs and Dart. As Mike explains the characteristics of the shadow monster, the hive mind, the brain, the desire to control, Dustin once again thinks in D&D terms. Like the Mind Flayer, he says. They look up the term in Will's D&D expert rule, rule book and immediately see the connections. 
It has tentacles. It is highly evil. And as Dustin explains, it enslaves races of other dimensions by taking over their brains using its highly developed powers. With all of this DN with all of the D&D terms used in the show, the parallels are not intended to be exact. In D&D, for example, the Mind Flayer is a humanoid that only resides in subterranean places. The Mind Flayer in Stranger Things, by contrast, is an enormous spider-like creature towering in the sky. The Duffer Brothers drew from a range of inspirations from its form and characteristics, including the work of H.P. Lovecraft. Then they went looking through a D&D manual to see if they could find something similar that's when they found the mind flare it has nothing to do with the shape or the way it looks or the particles explains ross Duffer. but the fact that it moves from dimension to, to dimension and in infecting the minds of others in order to control them and spread itself i can't remember everything else but it's everything that we were talking about with our shadow monster in season two the boys also get new D&D-based character roles. When newcomer Max asks to join the party, Mike declares that all the roles are filled. He is the Petalon, the Holy Knight leader. Lucas is the ranger, the warrior and hunter. Dustin is the bard, well-versed in spells and language. And Eleven is the mage, the wizard with special psychic powers. Max suggests that she could be the Zoomer, but the suggestion is completely rejected. It appears that Mike sees her as a threat to the group's co cohesion and focus, similar to how Lucas felt about Eleven in Season 1. There are a couple of other significant references to D&D in Season 2. Among Will's drawings and self-portraits, we see one in which he is Will the Wise, Chapter 4. In fact, he is called Will the Wise. In this role, he is not a victim or freak or zombie, but a wizard-like creature, violently leading a group into battle. Mike also believes Will has true sight, a D&D term that indicates the ability to see invisible creatures and objects, detect illusions, and penetrate alternative dimensions. Perhaps Mike reasons Will's episodes aren't flashbacks perhaps they are real visions into the upside down just as the clashes should i should i stay or should i go was not merely used as soundtrack but interwoven into the characters and storyline so similarly dungeons and dragons is far more than a prop or nostalgic game reference it offers a symbolic mythology through which the characters and audience navigate their adventures.